In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Welcome to So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey, presented by Betches Media. This is an exploration of all pop culture, from the classic reality TV moments of the past and present to the latest Daily Mail headlines and everything in between. We'll dive into all the infamous and notorious messes you can't stop watching. We're looking at you, Tom Sandoval. Folks, welcome to an all-new So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey. This is is your Tuesday episode, and this is your pal Ryan. How the heck is everybody doing? How was your Monday? It was a work holiday, hopefully for you, so you got some extra rest and relaxation, and now you are ready to face the week, so let us help you do that. Now, this is a very TV-themed episode. We'll be touching on a lot of pop culture elements, of course, but we're going to focus on TV because that is tonight. We have the 75th Annual Emmy Awards. Yes, the Emmys have been around for 75 years now, and we have the telecast tonight. What did you guys think about it? I'll tell you what I thought about it here in a second, but we got a lot to cover. Plus, we have two amazing guests with us today. Uh, I don't know if you checked out the new show on NBC called Found. Well, I have the two leads of the show, Shinola Hampton and Mark Paul Gosseler, join us today. So remember, there are timestamps if you want to skip right to that interview right now. You totally can. Uh, but if not, just uh, just kick back. We're going to go through some TV stories, some pop culture stories, and kind of get with it and uh, get you on your way. Now, um, listen, this has been a crazy year already, just in terms of award shows. I'm already having award show fatigue, and we are early in the award show season. Now, of course, it kicked off last week with the Golden Globe Awards, and we had just a big hubbub because you had all of this controversy with the host, Joe Coy. Joe Coy was said to have not done as good of a job as he possibly could have, even though he has now defended himself in multiple interviews since then. But at the end of the day, the jokes just weren't there. Now, Joe Coy supposedly got this job or accepted this job 10 days before the actual ceremony. So he was saying there's only so much that you can do. Now, I totally agree with that. That is a tough crowd. Being a host of something is kind of a thankless job, unless you're a podcast host, and then it's really amazing. <laughs> no, but you know, it, it, it's a really tough job, and especially when you are in a room full of luminaries from film and TV, and if they don't know who you are, if you're not considered, quote unquote, one of them, that is a tough room to win over, and he didn't seem to win that room over. So already there was a lot of pressure on hosts. So you had the Golden Globe. Globe Awards. And then Saturday night, you had the Critics' Choice Awards, um, awards given out based, you know, from critics. Um, and you had Chelsea Handler hosting that show. And that actually, she killed it. She did great. 
she showed that you could actually win over the room, tell smart jokes, tell funny jokes, and kind of get the show on the road. So you had that, but then of course that leads up to today's, the Emmy Awards themselves. So you had a lot, but I also want to um, clue you in, and you should go check this out on YouTube. John Mulaney, the stand-up comedian, who I think is just a genius. I mean, he's written on so many things, acted in so many things, sold up stand-up comedy tour. He also had his uh, battle with addiction, which I'm sure is an everyday battle for him. But uh, he made a really good hour of comedy out of his struggles. Uh, you can see that on Netflix right now. But he hosted... Uh, the Creative Arts um, uh, Oscars the other night. And that's what, what happens is they give out a bunch of awards uh, that they're not going to be able to fit into the telecast. So they do that beforehand. They gather everybody. And this is not televised, even though you can find John Mulaney's um, uh, his opening, uh, opening set, his, his, his opening hosting set, you can find it on YouTube and it's 14 minutes. And I just got to tell you, I watched that and it kind of restored my faith in hosting because I was sitting there going, you know, Joe Coy seems like a funny guy. Maybe it's true. Maybe nobody could actually really do this with panache and style and still be funny. But John Mulaney, you got to watch this. He really does, uh, seem to just be a natural fit. I think he will be hosting the Oscars one day, the actual ceremonies. But what I think the clue is, and what I think the clue is, I mean, what I think the, what I think you have to do in these situations is you have to come at it with a sense of honoring movies or honoring in TV, because these are amazing things that have inspired us all. And show that you are a fan of it. Show that you have knowledge on what you are presenting. Do inside jokes for the audience. And then those bigger jokes that are going to work for everybody are going to land and you're going to win people over. Um, but I just thought it was a masterclass in winning people over. He read an email that he had gotten from his agent saying like, listen, you probably don't think I'm one of you, but this is an actual email I got from my agent. And it was basically an email asking him to put himself on tape for the role of cop number or like police officer number one. And he was like, I did put myself on tape and I didn't get it. And it was great. And it reminded me of my days of trying to be an actor where you would audition or put yourself on tape for like two lines as a coffee barista. And I was sitting there going, oh my God, John Mulaney has to do the same thing. He's John Mulaney. I thought he was just be offered parts, but it won the audience over. And he told so many smart, funny jokes about all of the films. And I was like, okay, you can do it. And then I saw Chelsea Handler do it. And I was like, okay. And then Anthony Anderson, he hosted the Emmys. And I was already kind of like, oh man, I don't know. Cause Anthony Anderson, we know him as an actor, right? He just came off like the hit show Blackish. He has been on our screens for decades now. And he's a funny guy. I mean, by the way, if you want to see him uh, on a reality show, you can see him uh, with Jeff Lewis on Hollywood House Lift on Freebie, which is Amazon Prime's um, little channel within Amazon Prime. Um, and he's great. He has a great banter with Jeff Lewis, but I was like, I don't know, is he going to do a monologue about TV? And it was great. He kind of did it exactly what you would want. He showed respect to these TV shows. He did a musical number at the very beginning with Travis Barker on drums. I thought that was interesting. And I, you know, if you would, 
if you had told me the idea, I would have been like, ah, but it actually worked. And he was just kind of, he came off as a fun, loving, funny guy throughout the ceremony, but also gave respect um, to the overall uh, reason for being there. And that is to award these people that work their asses off to make these things that we consume and that we dearly love. I think sometimes with award shows, we get caught up in this, oh my God, we're going to honor more actors, these rich people that don't. But then you kind of like strip it away and you're like, man, these people are working their butts off. You know, when I was working in TV and film, you'd work 12 to 16 hour days and you would do it again and again and again. It's like going to war, making these things. Um, so I thought it was, uh, I thought he did actually a really good job. It was very self-assured. Uh, it wasn't too heavy handed, even though with award shows for TV and film or even music, cause the Grammy awards are coming up pretty soon. You're always going to have a little bit of schmaltz, a little bit of heavy handedness. We're going to go into the Emmys in a little bit, but I just wanted to talk about that right up top because that was on my mind. But also I wanted to give you a rundown of what else award, cause we are like in the thick of award season right now. So this is what we have coming up. So we had the Emmy awards tonight and then February 4th, in two more weeks, we're going to have the Grammy Awards, right? And then February 18th, we have the BAFTA Awards. And the BAFTA is the British Academy that honors film. Uh, and then February 24th, we have the Screen Actors Guild Awards uh, that honors TV and film. And then March 10th, that's the big one. That's the Academy Awards. And then our award season. <laughs> we will be done with the award season for this year. And another fun fact about the Emmys, you guys, is the Emmys are usually never in January. Uh, that's why the field feels a little crowded right now because of the Golden Globes and the Critics' Choice. We usually have the Emmy Awards in September, but this year they did not do that because of the writer strike and the actor strike. So usually it's in September. They decided to postpone it until January, but get this, the voting was already done. So they knew all of the winners as of late August. So they've been sitting on these winners since now. So I don't know if it'll go back to normal next year, but I think if it does change permanently to January, they need to space it out a little bit more. My main complaint about the Emmys was that it was pretty much identical in terms of the winners with the Golden Globes and even with the Critics' Choice. We already kind of knew the winners. Succession and The Bear really kind of just stomped the competition. Those were the big winners of the night. Well-deserved, of course, but it kind of takes the wind out of your sails a little bit when you've seen them win in the past week so many times. And this is the Emmy Awards, baby. You want it to be special. You want it to be the thing that honors TV, though the thing that is most prized is getting that Emmy on your shelf and you want it to remain that way. So if they do this next way, next year, you got to step off. Like people need to come together, get their calendars out and really work it. It's kind of like how I imagine Kris Jenner does with the Kardashian girls. I always picture her having like some master calendar. She picks a different color for each girl. Like Kim gets pink, Chloe gets orange, Courtney gets black, you know, because she's with Travis Barker now and it's kind of a little rocker and thrasher. Kylie gets whatever color she wants because she was the Kardashian Jenner first billionaire and so on and so forth. But I feel like they need to do that with award shows is get together and pick the dates, pick the dates, get on the same page. And that way you don't exhaust us, the viewing audience. 
Uh, okay, so you can tell I'm very excited about TV. <laughs> you can see we're going to get into more of the actual Emmys in a bit and what I liked and what I didn't like uh, in some of the special moments because Elton John, Sir Elton John, egotted tonight, folks. He is one of 19 people now that won an Emmy, a Grammy, a Tony, and an Oscar. That's called an EGOT. And there is only 19 people in existence that have gotten that. We'll talk about that in a bit. If you like this show, and I hope you do, um, please rate it five stars on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, listen, even though it was a holiday today, we released new episodes. We released two, in fact. We released a, a Bravo Pop Culture Roundup with my friend Jennifer uh, at Blocked, or you know her as Blocked by Jax, at Blocked underscore by underscore Jax. I want to apologize. I know there was a couple a lot of pops in her, uh, what she was speaking on. And I couldn't take that out audio wise. So I'm aware. Thank you for hanging in there with it. I appreciate that. Um, and of course, before that, I talked about traders, my new favorite obsession over on the Peacock network. You guys need to check that out if you haven't. Um, and then the second episode, I did a part two and that was with my dad, Bill Bailey, who's out here in Los Angeles visiting with me. It's his last night in town. That's why I'm recording this very late into the evening because he is getting his slumber where I usually record. So I'm in a different room um, and trying not to wake my dad up. So that's great. That's what normal podcasters do. Hey, that's what Ira Glass does. I'm sure that's what uh, the people that do NPR podcasts do. They're just trying not to wake their parents up. But uh, we did a part two where it was just a conversation with my dad. A lot of people have reached out about uh, my mom passing away and what my dad has been going through in terms of grief. We talked to him last on Thanksgiving on the podcast, so I had him come on again, and uh, we talked about where we're at, where he's at especially. Uh, we talked about our visit to the uh, his favorite band, the Eagles. We went and saw them play on Saturday night. It was a great time. So if that's your thing, if you're looking to uh, learn a little bit more about that or maybe commiserate or, or any of that, I wanted to make that a separate thing so I didn't jam it in with me being goofy about Vanderpump Rules, if that makes sense. Also, we did a Patreon live tonight. Night. Shout out to the baddies out there. If you want to join the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash so bad it's good. We did an hour live. My dad joined me for 30 minutes of it. Uh, they all got to ask him questions, which was really funny. My dad gets such a kick out of all of this and he gets so tripped out that people listen to this and that people like him. And he is so appreciative of that. And all of you, um, it, it really, I mean, and I'm obviously appreciative as well. It just blows us away. So that's over there. I think you can watch that even if you weren't there, obviously live. I think Maditza put that up so you can watch that link if you just want to listen, because actually we did spill some tea in that after my dad left about a couple of things that I haven't talked about on the show. So if that's your thing, that's your thing. Okay. Okay, that's good. We're only 13 minutes into this. Perfect. Perfect. Folks, summer is just around the corner, so it's time to say goodbye to those jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Now, I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily, I found Quince. Now, I have a lineup of timeless pieces I want that will keep me looking fresh year after year. I got a pair of tan shorts. I got a pair of green shorts. I cannot wait to style these for summer. And I gotta tell you, the quality is great because Quince has all the seasonal must-haves, like 100% European linen shirts from 30 
$30 performance polos and versatile flow knit activewear. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman by partnering directly with top factories and passes that savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. So you can feel good about what you're wearing on every level. So upgrade your wardrobe. Go to quince.com slash so bad for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash so bad to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash so bad. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Okay, let's step away from TV for one second and go to the movies. Now, we talked on Monday's episode about the new movie Mean Girls, which took number one at the box office this weekend. It made $28 million over the weekend, and if you include the Martin Luther King holiday, it's going to total around $32 million, which is huge for this movie. Now, if you've been watching Bravo as much as I have, you have seen uh, trailers, previews. Uh, they've, they've advertised it even with the Vanderpump Rules cast. It's everywhere. So it really succeeded in getting people into those theater seats. Now, Paramount, the studio that released this, is crediting TikTok to a lot of its success. But the New York Times did an article today where it said a lot of people are very upset that they feel they got tricked into going to see a musical because this is not Mean Girls the movie. It is Mean Girls the musical um, that was the musical on Broadway. They made that into a film. And the lead, of course, is Renee Rapp, who is everywhere right now. She is huge. She has an amazing album. She's going out on tour. She's rumored to be playing Coachella. And she's actually the musical guest on Saturday Night Live this weekend. So everything is coming up Renee Rapp right now, which, by the way, did you watch her on Watch What Happens Live on Sunday? She actually did a whole thing where she said she is ageist that she does not like old people. And I think that is very brave. That is a very brave statement, Renee Rapp. So hats off. Uh, it's going to be exciting to watch you get older. But you know, a lot of people, and Jennifer, who was on the show on Monday, said she went and saw it, and she sat next to a couple of teen girls that left 20 minutes 20 minutes into the movie because they were ticked off that it's a musical. What have we turned into as a culture and a society that we cannot sit through a musical? Come on. It is the year 2024. Musicals are okay. Do not be scared of musicals. It's going to be okay. Um, but did you see the movie? Did you like it? I hear it's amazing. I can't wait to see it. But also, I'm not scared of musicals. So, there's that aspect of Mean Girls, but there is another aspect that I want to talk about, and that is the Lindsay Lohan of it all. Now, Lindsay Lohan, she is a legend. She is a pop culture legend. Now, she is a fantastic flipping actress. I mean, she had so many great roles. Did you ever see her in A Prairie Home Companion? She was amazing in that with Meryl Streep. I mean, truly, and it seems like she has gotten her act together. She looks amazing. She has a newborn. Uh, I'm so excited to see what she's going to do next. But 
All is not gravy and good right now. And that leads us to a new segment on So Bad It's Good. And that is we are doing a pop culture rewind. That's right. This segment is called So Bad It's Good Rewind. Yeah, that was a little sound effect. So Bad It's Good Rewind. I'm going to take you through some pop culture moments that you might have forgotten. Now, this one, this is a pretty dark one. So I want to uh, give a trigger warning that we're going to talk about a douchebag. And that douchebag is Brandon Davis. Now, we had an article come out today. This is reporting from People Magazine. And the headline says, Lindsay Lohan was very hurt and disappointed by a joke included in the new Mean Girls movie. Now, Lindsay Lohan's rep said to People Magazine today that uh, she was not a fan of the new Mean Girls movie having a line of dialogue mentioning fire crotch. The quote is, Lindsay was very hurt, very hurt and disappointed by the reference in the film. Now, in the movie, Megan the Stallion is in it, and she contributes also a song from the soundtrack. But at one point, the rapper says about Cody, one of the characters in the film, and says about her talent show outfit, quote, that's a Y2K fire crotch is back. Now, for all you young ones out there that don't know what fire crotch means in regards to Lindsay Lohan, let me take you on a little rewind. Now, there is a gentleman that named of Brandon Davis. Now, Brandon Davis, he's a rich kid from Beverly Hills. And back in the day, he was known as Greasy Bear. Really good looking dude, kind of looks like Elvis, but he was always kind of sweaty, always a little greasy. And so he was dubbed uh, by certain, <laughs> certain, uh, you know, certain outlets, Greasy Bear. But there is a clip from 2006, all the way back in 2006, where Brandon Davis first named Lindsay Lohan as a fire crotch. And this was insane because you're like, what, are you kidding me? Back in the day, TMZ was really just hunting down celebrities. I mean, they still are, of course, but it was the heyday of that. It was them chasing down Paris Hilton, them chasing down Britney Spears, them chasing down Lindsay Lohan. Well, one night they found Brandon Davis, Paris Hilton, and Nikki Hilton going into one of, which was like the huge hotspot at the time, was Hyde Lounge, H-Y-D-E, Sunset and Crescent Heights. It was like right across from where I worked at a day spa called Burke Williams. It was like a really tough place to get into, very celebrity driven, but TMZ got this guy on camera. And this is like a six minute clip, but I'm just going to play you eight seconds of this guy talking about Lindsay Lohan. All right, Lohan's movie bombed because she's a fire crotch. She's orange, she's not black, white, she's orange. Okay, so this guy is just a D-bag. This is 2006. And mind you, Paris Hilton with it is with him at the time. You have Nikki Hilton in their gang as well. And then you have Elliot Mintz, the lawyer who is also Kathy Hilton's friend. He's popped up on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills multiple times, but he's with this group of people. He's randomly in these paparazzi films. This is like a six-minute clip. That is the cleanest audio or the cleanest part of the audio that I can play for you because this guy was just going off on Lindsay Lohan and kept calling her a fire crotch. And that kind of took hold in 2006 in pop culture. It kind of became, if you were following pop culture, it became a part of our vernacular. And now, now, 
We're in the year 2024. This comes out as a reference in Mean Girls, which Lindsay Lohan showed up to the premiere of, kind of played nice, put her name to this, and then she was really dismayed to find a fire crotch reference in this film, which I completely understand. Because if you've com- you know cleaned up your life, you don't want something that you are promoting to actually have a line of dialogue that talks negatively about you in any way, and especially what was probably one of the darker moments and years of Lindsay Lohan's life, 2006. And this Brandon Davis now, he, remember, he's engaged to Ashley Benson, uh, and I believe they have a child on uh, the, its way. So hopefully he has completely cleaned up his act. But back in the day, I mean, just go look on YouTube, Brandon Davis videos. But uh, that is a little pop culture rewind for you. And thank God we are uh, we are past that now. And I'm very happy to see that Lindsay Lohan is looking good, feeling good. And hopefully she is not too hurt because this is this success of the Mean Girls musical it's good for Lindsay Lohan as well. Okay. Now let's move on to TV. This is really exciting news. Now, you know, the show, the office, Steve Carell, we all watch it on Netflix or Peacock or wherever it's streaming right now. Repeatedly. There was like a year of my life where I fell asleep to nothing but the office. And I think we all had those moments. In fact, I'm actually in two episodes of the office. One of the highlights of my career thus far. Well, get this. Now, this has been rumored for a very long time, but Greg Daniels, he is one of the creators of the American version of The Office. Remember, it was initially created by Ricky Gervais in the UK. So Greg Daniels, the American creator of this iteration of The Office, this is the headline from Deadline.com. Greg Daniels opening development room to explore new series ideas for The Office. So Greg Dan- Daniels has uh, set up a development development room with trusted writers, and it is set to begin work today to explore ideas for a follow-up series. Now, before you get too excited, this is not going to be a reboot uh, but it will be likely be set in a new office with new characters, but live within the same world as the Steve Carell-led mockumentary series, which, of course, uh, was in Scranton, Pennsylvania at the fictional Dunder Mifflin Paper Company. And we all know now that documentary style of filming, Abbott Elementary kind of uses it to a degree, Parks and Recreation used it to a degree. Now, here's the deal, though. Do we think this is worth doing if it doesn't have the original characters? And to say it's set in the same universe, do we really care? Like, do we care that much that another show takes place in Scranton without those original characters? Do you want to see this? Now, the other interesting thing about this is Greg Daniels, they must be just throwing money at him, NBC Universal, and going, please do this. Because for so many years, he was just like, I don't think we can make it work. I think we went out the way we wanted to go out. I don't think it's worth exploring. But now, in the year 2024, he is wanting to explore this idea. Um, So we will see what comes from this. But it's kind of exciting. We'll see what they come up with. Now, Greg Daniels, he's a genius. So anything he does is going to be funny. But is it going to have that same level of kind of comedic magic that The Office brought 
to our screens. Now, the other thing that I'm hoping is with uh, the, the TV show Succession. Now, Succession cleaned up at the Emmys tonight. It won so many. I mean, just the, the thing was shitting out Emmys tonight. But my hope is that uh, Jesse Ferguson, the creator of Succession, I'm hoping that we eventually get him in the same position that Greg Daniels is in one day and that he is forced to make a fifth season of Succession because that's what happens. I've talked about this kind of uh, this happening in pop culture is that you'll go out on top and then a couple of years pass by and your other projects are potentially not getting off the ground the way that you want them to. It doesn't have the same heat of that one project. And then many years, many years goes by and then you're like, hey, they're offering more and more money each year I hold out. Why? What What? What would it hurt? What would it hurt to explore the idea? And that is what I'm truly hoping for with Succession because I got to tell you, watching the Emmys tonight and watching all of those wins, all of the amazing cast members taking the stage, every time they played the Succession theme song, I just got sad because I'm sorry. It was a great ending, but I want more. I'm okay. I want more. I don't even need it to be A plus material. I'll settle for like a B minus with succession. Won't you? But that's what's happening right now with the office. So they are exploring new ideas within the world, within the office cinematic universe. And we'll see what they come up with. I hope, I hope they find a way, even though they're saying they're not going to, I hope they find a way to get Steve Carell back. I mean, is that even a possibility at this point? I don't know, but it is worth trying. Also, I realize I uh, got the name of the creator of Succession wrong. It is Jesse Armstrong. Jesse Armstrong created Succession. Okay, we got that out of the way. Now, let's talk about what we need to be watching this week because we have got an exciting week of television ahead of us. And tonight, it all starts off with a bang because we have... Deceits, proof, timeline, screenshots, f***ing everything... That's right. Tonight, we have part two of the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City reunion. Mary Cosby finally takes the stage. We'll see if she even realizes she is at a studio in a weird setting that kind of looks like a Dave and Best Busters mixed with the ocean. We will see. But will we find out more about Monica Garcia, Reality Von Tees, all of that stuff? I am on the edge of my seat. But you may be asking, Ryan, what else is there besides Bravo to watch this week? Well, don't worry. I got you. Let's go through this because this is the so bad it's good, so good shows for the week. Now, this is exciting. We got a new season of True Detective with Jodie Foster. It premiered on Sunday on HBO, so you have that. The first season with Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson still kind of lives in my brain. It was so good. And Jodie Foster, top-notch actress, so we have that to check out. Now, I am so in love. I've talked with this, uh, talked about it on Monday's show. The new season of The Traitors on Peacock. The first three episodes are available to stream right now, and it is so good, folks. It is just star-studded in terms of the cast. It has every reality star that you could possibly want. You have all your Bravo favorites, your Survivor favorites, your Big Brother favorites. You have Trishel from the real world. It is so good. Now, the first three episodes are out. Now, episode four is going to premiere on January 19th, episode five, January 26th, episode six, February 2nd, and the final episode is episode 11, and that's going to premiere on March 8th. So they're only doing one episode a week, which is totally different than what they did with the first season, where they kind of put it 
it all out in two helpings. And it's really smart because it's going to kind of build that excitement because I think they know that they've got a really good season on their hand, or at least that's what I'm hoping. So catch up with those first three episodes of The Traders before episode four. And then listen, over on TLC, we had a beautiful wedding on Sunday night because Sister Wives, one of my favorite shows with one of the worst men in reality television, that's right, Cody Brown, whose own hair appears to try to be leaving him as well as all of his plural wives. Well, Christine Brown has finally broken away from Cody and she had her wedding special. She got married on this past Sunday night's episode. It looked like a party to end all parties. She looked beautiful and you had inner cutting of Cody going, I just want her to be happy, dude. I don't know. I don't know. I guess I just want her to be happy. I don't know. Uh, Really good stuff. A little emotional. I highly recommend it. Now, moving on, on Netflix on Friday, you have Love on the Spectrum Season 2. This is a beautiful reality show about people on the spectrum finding love. It is so heartwarming, so charming, so funny. If you have not seen the first season, I completely recommend it. The second season, I'm really I'm really hopeful for. I cannot wait to see that. So that's premiering on Friday. Now, in the talk show format, premiering tonight, you have the new show, talk show, After Midnight. Now, comedian Taylor Tomlinson is hosting this. It is produced by Stephen Colbert because it's going to be on directly after the late show on CBS. And there's an internet component to this. Um, So we'll see what that is. But that premieres tonight. Taylor Tomlinson is hysterical. So check that out. And then this Saturday, you have Saturday Night Live back from their winter break and the host is Jacob Elordi and like I said the musical guest Renee Rapp will there be a sketch with the bathtub drain from Saltburn I'm betting yet but we will see and then over on the old internet if uh, if none of that does anything for you go on over to TikTok and uh, just follow anything about the nine month world cruise for those uh, who are on TikTok you know exactly what I'm talking about but there is people that have signed up for a nine month world cruise and I feel like they are slowly losing their mind so that's really fun but you kind of got to search for it on TikTok so that is the so bad it's good so good shows to watch this week check them all out okay and finally tonight we are at the main event before our interview and that is the 75th annual emmy awards uh i thought this thing was really great like i said earlier the big problem with it is that it's coming on the heels of the golden globes and the critics choice awards and there was a lot of similar winners so there's a little bit of an exhaustion level but i think once you look past that this emmy awards did something great and that was respecting the source material the source material being all of these amazing television shows and they even honored television shows throughout history. They honored I Love Lucy, All in the Family, Cheers, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, The Sopranos. They even brought The Sopranos, the uh, the therapist set with Dr. Melfi. They had that set. They had the Cheers set with the bar. They had the All in the Family set. And I think that's what it is. It should be a little educational, but it also should be fun. And there should be some gravitas to it. Now, Succession, like I said, sweeped 
every kind of major category that you could want, including best drama series. And the bear completely mauled the competition and they won in pretty much all of the comedy categories. Now, other huge winners was the Netflix limited series Beef starring, starring Ali Wong and Stephen Yen. And they both won in their categories for actor and actress as well. Um, but it was a big night for Beef big night for the bear and a big night for succession. You had major acting awards going to Kiernan Culkin and Sarah Snook and Matthew McFadden. And uh, I always love any chance for them to get up and talk. I just think they are so funny, so great. Um, and it's amazing. And then on the comedy side, you have uh, you have Jeremy Allen White, uh, most uh, recently known for his underwear and being potentially what uh, everybody is calling the hottest man to ever live. Congratulations, Jeremy. But he's also a damn fine actor. Now, things are a little confused because the bear is in the best comedy series category. And a lot of people were going, why is the bear in the best comedy series? Now it is a dramedy at best. I mean, if you watch that Thanksgiving episode from season two with Jamie Lee Curtis, it is one of the most dramatic things that I've seen, but it really highlights the comedy in real life as well. And I think the further we get into the art form that is television, we blend those genres and they keep getting blended. I think White Lotus is another one of those things. You could say that the White Lotus is a comedy, but there's a lot of deep underpin underpinnings in all of the characters. There's action, there's adventure, there's romance, there's betrayal. I mean, really heavy stuff coming out of the White Lotus as well. Um, and that is another one uh, that got celebrated. Jennifer Coolidge won another acting award, which uh, she joked about that uh, her character died. And she's pretty sure that the character still is dead, according to the show's creator, Mike White. So this might be the end of Jennifer Coolidge's reign with The White Lotus. Um, you had Ao, the best actress, uh, best supporting actress for The Bear. She won, as well as Jeremy Allen White, as well as on top of the show. Uh, Sarah Snook from Succession took home best actress. She wrote to my, she, in her speech, she said to my family, to my mom and dad, I love you. Thank you for having a dress up box. When I was a kid, this is where it gets you. Also, the biggest thank you is to someone who won't understand anything I'm saying at the moment, but I carried her with me in this last season and really it was her who carried. Uh, it's very easy to act when you're pregnant because you have hormones ranging. It was the proximity of her life growing inside me that gave me the strength to do this and this performance. I love you so much, and it's all for you from here on out. Thank you. I thought that was beautiful. Now, Kiernan Culkin, he gave a shout out to his wife and said, listen, I want to have more kids. You told me if I won, there's a possibility we could have more and I want more. And it was really funny. Karen Culkin has just such a way of speaking. And of course he put that into his character on succession, but you can just tell that it's such a part of who he is in his daily life. And it's just amazing to see. So yeah, white Lotus beef, um, the bear, and Succession kind of took everything. You had an award for supporting actor in a limited series for Paul Walter Hauser for Blackbird. And his speech, he actually did kind of a spoken rap that was interesting. Now, reality competition program went to RuPaul's Drag Race. Amazing. Uh, talk series went to The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. This is the first win for The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. So that was a big win. Now, scripted variety series went to Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. Oh my God, I have the big man crush on John Oliver. He is so smart, so funny. And John Oliver loves the housewives. He loves Bravo. And I love that because Jenna Lyons 
and Garcelle Bouvet were there. They hosted the E After Show, and uh, there's a picture with uh, <laughs> with John Oliver and Jenna Lyons, and you can tell that John Oliver is way more excited than Jenna Lyons in this picture. You can tell he is excited to be standing next to a real housewife. And I love that about him. Now, actress in a comedy series went to Quinta Brunson, the creator and lead actor of Abbott Elementary, which their new season premieres very soon. So that is very exciting. And you had supporting actress in a limited series or TV movie going to uh, Nisi Nash for Dahmer, Monster, the Jeffrey Dahmer story from Netflix, one of the most intense limited series that I saw in the last year. And I was kind of um, happy that the actor that portrayed Dahmer did not win and Stephen Yen won instead because it was just too dark. And the Dahmer thing, I don't know if you guys liked it, but at a certain point I was like, why am I watching this? This is way too intense. And I almost felt like we were glorifying Dahmer in a sense. Um, but I'm so happy that Miss Nash won it. And she gave this beautiful speech where she primarily thanked herself, but in the most charming, amazing way that you possibly could. Uh, you know, I was talking about last week in terms of the Golden Globes that the speeches weren't there, but it's great to see Mrs. Nash and just like she knocked it out of the park with her speech. And sometimes with award shows, we want that. We want to be inspired. We want to feel the excitement. This is a big moment for these people. It is really tough to live the life of an actor. We see all the celebrity and all that bullshit, but it is really hard. So it's awesome to have those moments and for them to be as excited as they should be. Now, also, I want to give a shout out to Heather McMahon, who uh, was one of the hosts of the pre-show on E! The big complaint that we had at the Golden Globes is that E! didn't do any pre-show or after show coverage, which was a huge mistake. So E completely made up for it tonight. And I think Heather McMahon is destined to keep doing this. She was great. She was on point. She was funny as she usually is. Heather McMahon was on So Bad It's Good a couple months ago. And I uh, just think she's amazing. Really look up to her. So I was so happy for her. Now, the In Memoriam segment, you guys, it was uh, heartbreaking like it is every year, but it had a lot of my favorite people in it this year. And I guess that's the thing that sucks about getting older is that the you know more and more people that you look up to or admire pass away. And they ended the In Memoriam like I thought they would with honoring Matthew Perry, uh, the actor from Friends for 10 seasons who passed away uh, just in this past year, an untimely death. I've talked a lot about him on the show because I was re-listening to his audiobook, and it's so even more tragic the second time through. And uh, uh, it, it made me tear up. And Charlie Puth was one of the singers. Charlie Puth, of course, the the pop singer songwriter. He uh, sang his song. Um, you know, it's been a long day without you, you know, that beautiful song that we saw at the end of that Fast and Furious movie with Paul Walker. But then they took it into and started singing the Friends theme song at the very end. And that was heartbreaking as well. Other honorees in the In Memoriam segment. Um, I mean, just, I mean, so many people that we have lost way, way before their time. I mean, Barbara Walters, Norman Lear, I mean, just some real luminaries, people that you forget passed away and you're like, no, that person too. And that person too. But I thought this was a really well done segment. Uh, I don't know if it moved you like it moved me. Now, other moments we had, uh, we had Courtney Kardashian and Travis Barker, you had Kravis and they were doing what they do best. And that is tongue kissing in public. 
they were tongue kissing <laughs> on the red carpet, or I guess it was kind of a grayish carpet. Now, the Emmy's background, did you see any of the pictures of the arrivals? The background made me feel like I was even more dyslexic than I already am. It just had all the, it was just way too busy. But anyways, they showed up because Travis Barker was drumming at the very beginning for Anthony Anderson, the host's opening. But they, this is their first red carpet appearance uh, since the birth of their new son. And they are right back at it, man. They were make, they were playing tonsil hockey like it was nobody's business. Um, like I said, they also did a lot of reunions. We had a Grey's Anatomy reunion and even Catherine Heigl rejoined the cast of Grey's Anatomy 14 years after she quit the show. Now, you guys don't remember this because Grey's Anatomy has been on for what seems like 80 years, but there was a huge hubbub back in the day because Grey's Anatomy was just a skyrocketing show, just immediately a juggernaut. And Katherine Heigl left way too early because she wanted to have a film career because she had the success of Knocked Up and then 27 Dresses. And so she quit. And it was kind of, uh, it was not a good uh, situation when she left. Uh, she ruffled a lot of feathers. So it was really exciting to see her up on stage. Now, another amazing moment, Christina Applegate, who we have been, we've been watching on TV since she was a kid. I mean, married with children. I mean, remember that? Well, she came out and she was presenting to, I believe, Carol Burnett. And she has a battle with MS right now that she is bravely, valiantly fighting. And Anthony Anderson walked her out because she's walking with a cane right now and immediately got a stand, standing ovation. Um, there was not a dry eye in the house, including hers, but she was immediately just so funny. You can just tell she is such a way with comedic words and made us laugh as well as made us cry. And I think that was a real big moment for me as well. Also, this is one of our first red carpet appearances from Selena Gomez and her new boyfriend, Benny Blanco. And I did watch video of them finding their seats and Steve Martin and Martin Short, like it was Steve Martin, Martin Short, and then Selena Gomez and Benny Blanco. And Steve Martin and Martin Short had to get up to let Selena Gomez and Benny Blanco in. And I was like, I wonder what Steve Martin and Martin Short think of Benny Blanco. Like, what are the conversations Selena Gomez has with Marty and Steve Martin about her new boyfriend. Very, very exciting. Um, okay. And then the other big story of the night, and I teased this at the very beginning, is that we have a new EGOT winner. Now, EGOT stands for, what is it? It stands for Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony. So you got to win something in TV, the Emmy, you got to win something in music, the Grammy, you got to do a film for the Oscar, and you got to do a play or musical for a Tony. So that's like a lot. There's only now, as of tonight, 19 people that have EGOTed. And tonight, we have Mr. Elton John joining that list uh, because he won an award for Outstanding Variety Special at the 75th Primetime Emmy Awards for Elton John Live Farewell from Dodger Stadium. Now, this aired, I believe, on Disney uh, and their ABC affiliates, and this one for special, and it was amazing, and now he's officially an EGOT winner. Now, I supposedly he was having knee surgery, so he was not there, but his husband, David Furnish, was there, uh, plus a whole cast of people that actually were involved in making this, but it was really exciting. Now, the term EGOT was first coined in late 1984 by actor Philip Michael Thomas, who was one of the leads in a show called Miami. Miami Vice with Don Johnson, and he expressed his desire to achieve the accolade after rising to fame from that role, though he had yet to bag 
that title. So he coined that phrase. Now, there's only 19 people that, uh, including Elton John, that that has won this. Now, there's these are the previous winners. You got Mel Brooks, genius. Whoopi Goldberg, egotted. She got a Tony Award for Thoroughly Modern Millie. Emmy Award for Beyond Terra, The Extraordinary Life of Hattie McDaniel. Um, she had a Grammy for her comedy album, Whoopi Goldberg, original Broadway show recording, and an Oscar for, of course, Ghost. You have Richard Rogers, uh, he egotted, Helen Hayes. Uh, you had Rita Moreno, uh, John Gilgood, the British actor, Audrey Hepburn, Marvin Hamlish, the musician, Jonathan Tunick, Mike Nichols, the director, Scott Rudin, the producer, Robert Lopez, uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber, uh, John Legend, Tim Rice, Alan Menken, uh, Jennifer Hudson has he got it. Jennifer Hudson officially became an ECOT in 2022 after scoring a Tony for the musical A Strange Loop. Uh, she previously earned a daytime Emmy for Baba Yaga in 2021. Of course, Best Supporting Actress for Dreamgirls in 2006 and two Grammys for Best R&B Album in 2009 and the award for Best Musical Theater Album in 2017 for The Color Purple. You have Viola Davis and now you have Elton John. Now that is all very exciting, okay? Okay. Now, you might be asking, Ryan, who is next on this list? Who is close to achieving EGOT status? That's a great question, folks. Well, you have Dame Helen Mirren. Now, Mirren only needs a Grammy. She won an Oscar for The Queen, four Emmys for Prime Suspect, The Passion of Ayn Rand, Elizabeth won, and Prime Suspect, The Final Act, and a Tony for the audience. Now, do you think Helen Mirren is possibly going to like drop a rap album or something like that? Is she going to pull a Beyonce and do a Lemonade? I don't know. I don't know if Helen Mirren feels that pressure. Now, Common, the rapper Common, he is close to EGOTing. He only needs a Tony. You have actress Lily Tomlin. She only needs an Oscar. Eminem, Eminem is close to EGOTing. Eminem only needs a Tony. He previously won an Oscar for Best Original Song for Lose Yourself from 8 Mile, an Emmy for the Pepsi Super Bowl Live Halftime Show, and he has 15 Grammys. He needs a Tony. Now, here's my prediction. They're going to do an 8 Mile musical one day, and this will have some sort of award that will get him EGOT status. Now, another musician, Adele. Adele only needs a Tony? Wait, that's not true. Okay, wait, I was like, oh, God, I thought I said Grammy. Adele needs a Tony. She has an Academy Award for Best Original Song for the James Bond film Skyfall. She has 16 Grammys and an Emmy for Adele One Night Only. She only needs a Tony. Maybe there could be a musical with just Adele songs. Saddest musical that would possibly ever exist. You have Cynthia Nixon from Sex and the City. She only needs an Oscar. You have Martin Scorsese, the legend. He only needs a Tony. How are we going to get Martin Scorsese a Tony? You have Cher. All Cher needs is a Tony as well. And then Hugh Jackman, he just needs an Oscar. And he's going to be playing Wolverine again in the new Deadpool 3 movie with Ryan Reynolds. I don't know how good he's going to be in that, but maybe he'll win an Oscar for Wolverine. You have actor Jeremy Irons, who needs a Grammy. Al Pacino, who needs a Grammy. Maybe those two can like team up and some kind of like do like some kind of music album, like duets with Al Pacino and Jeremy Irons. You have Julie Andrews, who only needs a Tony. I feel like Julie Andrews. I mean, God, she's done so many musicals. How does she not have a Tony? You have Kate Winslet, who only needs a Tony. Jessica Lange, who needs a Grammy. Lynn manuel Miranda from Hamilton fame. He only needs an Oscar. 
Uh, Billy Porter only needs an Oscar. Cynthia Erivo, uh, she needs an Oscar, but she is going to be the lead in the new Wicked. Uh, there's two Wicked films, part one and part two, coming out with Ariana Grande. She actually could win an Oscar for that, or at least be nominated. Bette Midler only needs an Oscar. Ben Platt only needs an Oscar. So those people are close. So who do you think is going to be the next EGOT recipient? But congrats to Elton John. What 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 a feat congratulations elton john okay and now finally to our amazing amazing guest now it is so funny folks mark paul gosler he is kind of a legend of course we know him from saved by the bell of course but this dude he is an amazing actor and we get to talk all about his new show which is called found and the season finale of the first season of found premieres tonight on nbc you can catch up on all the episodes on peacock and they're already picked up for a second season which is great but it is such an interesting show in that it is a team of people trying to find lost kids lost adults i mean so many different stories but then uh, Mark Paul Gosler pay, plays kind of a bad guy. He was a kidnapper himself. I mean, it is so interesting, this relationship and what they have going. And they're just two really amazing, amazing actors. Now, uh, Mark Paul joins us today, but also Shanola Hampton. And Shanola is just incredible. You might know her from her work in, uh, I mean, just so so many things, but the thing that I wanted to tell you guys about uh, is that I acted with Shinola in a short film 20 plus years ago called Notoriety, and I was the lead in this. I played a creepy guy named Wayne, and she was a character in this, and we shot this over a couple of weeks in Los Angeles, and it was so funny remembering those times. Like we shared a van up to San Francisco. I remember I was uh, having uh, a girlfriend problems at the time and she was walking me through that and she was just great. And she was one of those people you kind of lose touch with, but it was so amazing to see her career take off. And now to see her lead, she is the lead of this NBC hour long drama. And I couldn't be more proud of her. And I couldn't just, I mean, she's just an amazing actor, an amazing person. And we get to talk all about the show. We get to talk about what it means that they got the second season and uh, Mark Paul. Listen, I think any of us would want to do three hours just talking about Saved by the Bell, but we are talking about this show and all of his great work. And what what I wanted to impress on you guys is that these actors, you know, they're journeymen. I talked about this last week. They're out there busting their butt, trying to get that next role, trying to do good work. And, you know, I think sometimes with Saved by the Bell, it was such this show that shaped a lot of our youths. But a lot of those people in there are still working. I mean, Mario Lopez, one of the best hosts out there, Elizabeth Berkley, Tiffany Amber Thiessen, they're all still out there doing things because they had a good group of people working. And I just think it's so impressive that Mark Paul Gosler turned out to be the great actor that he is and is still working on amazing projects like this. So go check out Lost. Uh, season finale tonight on NBC and catch up with it on Peacock. But ladies and gentlemen, I am so proud to have on today's show, Shanola Hampton and Mark Paul Gosselier. Enjoy. Oh, oh. 
Welcome back to So Bad It's Good, presented by Betches Media. I couldn't be more excited about these next two guests. I just watched 12 episodes over the last two weeks of a new show called Found on NBC that you can find on Tuesday nights, next day on Peacock. Let me set this up for you guys. In any given year, more than 600,000 people are reported missing in the U.S. More than half that number are people of color that the country seems to forget about. Now, in Found, public relations specialist Gabby Mosley, who was once herself one of those forgotten ones, and her crisis management team make sure there is always someone looking out for the forgotten missing people. But unbeknownst to anyone, this everyday hero is hiding a chilling, and I mean chilling secret of her own, because she has captured her childhood kidnapper and has him locked in her basement, and he helps her with her cases. Now, Gabby is portrayed by the insanely talented Shinola Hampton, who you fell in love with on 11 seasons of the Showtime hit show Shameless, and as the mysterious and potentially dangerous sir, you have Mark Paul Gossler, who we grew up watching and loving, of course on Saved by the Bell, but since then, he has a hell of a resume from NYPD Blue to Franklin and Bash, where you realize he is a hell of an actor. Shanola Hampton and Mark oh. Paul Gosseler from Found, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Oh Thank you, my gosh. Let's start <laughs> with that. You get an Emmy for the lead in, what you just did. <laughs> I'll see you guys later. No, I'm still going off the hell of an actor. I mean, I'm no, no, no. Insanely talented. No, insanely I mean, talented. We didn't know if you were going to give him any accolades other than his resume, but then you said hell of an actor. Yeah. I was, well, oh, I was going to rip him a new one for the whole day. I'm going to, whoever does the best, I am cutting the other one out of this interview as we talked about Good. before. Good. So I win. Um, how do you guys go about for a first season of a show, creating the dynamic that you have created? Because your scenes, it's a procedural show, you guys listening or watching this, but you guys, the scenes that you have, it's like this Clarice, uh, Hannibal Lecter environment that you created. How do you do that? When did you guys know each other before this show? God, no, and thank goodness. I don't need any more men in my life than I have. You know what I mean? That would be a lot. No. Um, we get asked this question a lot. And this is one of those things where it was serendipitous for me. It's God who places people in your life at the right time to go through whatever chapter um, that you're going through at that time. And Mark Paul is a gift to me, truly, on and off the screen. We didn't work on chemistry. We didn't get on the phone and like, oh my gosh, we got to make this happen. And we have to have this. It was never any of that. We don't even rehearse our scenes together at any point. We don't even run lines together, to be honest with you. So it's just one of those things that happens when you have a good actor um, and most importantly, a good human being. So and, and I'm hoping, you know, we got picked up for a second season, 22 episodes. So we're going to we're going to bring the show uh, you know, to, to our fans for a whole long year. And I put in my contract that we actually don't film uh, in the same room. So right. next Good. year, ne yeah, next year it'll just Good. be on Zoom, like uh, Sir and, right. and Gabrielle. Will just well, be I, I'm just going to be in the car on the telephone <laughs> right. having a conversation with them. So what you see is Yeah, fake. put that in your contract, both of you. You guys shouldn't be in the same room together as <laughs> evidence right now. Um, Mark Paul, uh, also, the young Gabrielle, who you do a lot of your scenes with, because they use this device, you guys, where they go, you know, back in time and then present day. Um, who is that actor? Because she is fabulous. And your relationship with her is just as good as your relationship with Shinola. Yeah, she puts Shinola to shame with her abilities. I mean, Way she's insanely talented. I don't even know what you'd say. Her name Hysterical. is Azaria, Azaria Carter, and she's phenomenal. I mean, we lucked out with her. She is just a, a, a gem. She's a local actor from uh, Atlanta. Atlanta. 
And uh, I mean, she's just a bright star. And every time I do a scene with her, um, I'm just blown away. I mean, she absorbs. It's much like I, I'm all joking aside. When when Chanel and I work off of each other, what we're doing is we're, it's 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 not a choreographed dance, but it's it's a dance in a way. But we just absorb what the other one's giving us, and then just you know put it out there. And, and the same with Azaria. She comes in and she's wor- she's willing to just kind of you know take what she's given, and and what you see on screen is just this this just listening process, and then just you know giving what 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 uh she's receiving she's a force it's, she's amazing she's a force it's really so good and i love those scenes of the show um shinola coming off of 11 seasons of shameless you probably had a lot of opportunities what made lost something that was an important project for you to do and also you're a producer on this show so what does that mean for you well, I chose not to do Lost and I did Found instead, Sorry. which is always Sorry. good. You did it right. That's a good, that's perfect. a good. Oh. It was perfect because that's the good, with, no, but that's what it is. Boy, that was really it. passive aggressive. Wow. I see what you're dealing with, Mark Paul. Ryan's telling me since 2000, way before you, because we did a little short film called We did. Together, and we shot in LA and it was one of the first things I ever did. So I can mess with you, right? Am I right? You, um, Yes. And now we're, but we're both doing great. You have a hit show and I'm talking to you guys. So we're good. And you you have a hit show. It's so bad. It's good, honey. So bad is good. Um, Well, really, it was a long journey to get here. If I'm being honest, I signed an overall deal with NBC and I went through a lot of scripts. That's the blessing of coming off of an 11 uh, season show is you get the opportunity to really look at and take your time to choose what you want that next thing to be. One of the main things that I wanted to do was make sure it was something very different from Veronica because it's so easy to put people in a box, especially in this business and only be seen as one thing. So I wanted to be very intentional about that and also to partner as a producer with people that um, lead from a place of love. And when I say that, the definition of that is NK our showrunner and producer. So on site, when I first met her, it was a love fest and a partnership that I really, really uh, felt passionate about. This was the next move. And then you get a guy like this, who's also loving. The whole set is so full of love. And then you get the script, which the pilot was so impeccably written. And, and the story was told in such a way that made you feel like, yes, you're watching a normal procedural, but wait, no, you're not. And oh, she's a baddie. And oh, she's doing good. But hold on. She's got a little ticky ticky boom, boom. There's a man in the basement. And then he goes, I mean, who doesn't say yes to that? I say yes, yes. And yes, again. And I would every lifetime. This is just a dream job. And all joking aside, just for the audience, you guys do highlight a lot of cases that are actually out there in the news. And I think that's a really important thing because it's about the relationships between you guys. But it does highlight, uh, you know, kind of an epidemic in America about finding lost children. So I think that's great that every episode there is a different case uh, that you're highlighting. Yeah, and I think that, you know, sometimes it can get overshadowed by having a dynamic um, that Hannibal Lecter, the Mark Paul, the, and uh, well, Sir and Gabby dynamic. But the main purpose of our show is to bring attention to the discrepancies between some people being highlighted in the media and others in uh, marginalized communities. That's really why we do what we do. That's the purpose of the show is to show cases that have not been shown on television or maybe they get one episode. No, we're going to take it and take it for eight seasons. So that's really what we want to do. We want to show show uh, really these these 
communities in a big way that are underserved and hopefully start the conversation to how we bring more media attention to those communities in real life. And you're definitely doing that. I, I think one of the really exciting parts of the show, though, is to unravel and uncover your relationship of how it began when you were in school. And I don't want to give anything away for people that are just finding the show, which you can binge right now on Peacock. But when you get this script, Mark Paul, uh, is this something that immediately attracted you? Did, did you have anything in your mind, a trepidation of, I don't know if this is something that I want to go this dark with something? Uh, take us through that uh, thought process. Well, I think when, when we had the conversation, and when I say we, it's NK, the showrunner, and, and I had the conversation, um, I had read my part. I had read, sir, I hadn't read the script for Found. I knew about Found because there's a few scripts during every pilot season that's probably at the top of everyone's you know uh, list, and this was one of them. Um, so I was aware of it. And uh, so I read Sir and I just thought, well, this is a network show. Like, how dark are we going to go? Mm. What are we going <laughs> to show? You know, uh, th something that came up to, uh, came up right away was, is there a sexual component to this abduction? Like, is, is that something we're going to tackle? So a lot of this was um, was explained to me by NK. And, and I just had a just my overall question of like, who, if I research someone, who should I look into? And she said, probably the the one that she would um, use as an example was Ted Bundy. You know, he disarmed his victims uh, with his charisma, with his looks, and you wouldn't necessarily think this guy was capable of, of some of the despicable evil things that he did. Um, she says, but if there's anyone that, you know, that you should use as research, it's probably him. And so I started piecing it all together and it, 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 it interests me and I, I, I felt it would be a challenge. Um, read the script uh, saw the you know the the procedural aspect of our show and, and realized um, that this wasn't your typical procedural that we've seen and that enticed me. Um, you know, it was such a well written script and it had a message and that uh, yet it had that component of Sir and Gabrielle which just pushed it to a whole nother level mm. and that's where I, I wanted to be a part of it. I mean, from from a, a viewer's perspective, it is really interesting because you really grow to and I I mean I like Sir. Like I start to like, I start to almost root so for sir. And I, well, no, it's like a dangerous conversation I the know. audience has with themselves of like, wait a sec, uh, should I want him to be out of the basement? He actually cares for Gabrielle, but there is a dangerous component to that. And that's this weird thing. And you can even say Gabrielle in the amazing performance by Shinola, the things that are going through your mind, the thoughts that we see in your performance yeah. of, you know, coming down. Are you angry with him? Are you going to give him more food? Are you giving him his books back? And I think that that tension right there. And that's what I, I just watched your most recent episode, episode 12, where we're finding more about the backstory. And I was like, wow, this has been drawn out kind of beautifully. And then I'm like, is he getting out of the basement? What are we, what are, we're, we're about to end the first season. We've got the second, what can you tease coming up? Because the season finale is tonight. Um, by the time you're going to hear this, it will be tonight. And then second season, can you tease anything? Can you give anything away? Um, this is the tease. Everything you just said will be answered in the finale. You won't have to wait, but it also leaves you hungry for more for season two. That's what I can tease. I promise you, you will be satisfied for season one. You'll want some dessert. You might want to go back to the buffet and get a whole other plate because that's what season two is going to do. It, it, it has it all. And I'm so proud of this finale, but I cannot wait for the audience to go on this ride. 
Uh, no, it really is a really exciting ride. And I was thinking about uh, coming up as an actor myself and the journeys and like a, being a journeyman actor. And Mark Paul, you know, from Saved by the Bell till now, you have this amazing resume of so many parts. And I remember watching you in a TV film called She Cried No. And it was a real switch from what we thought of Zach Morris to what you actually could do. And I remember being young when I watched that and I was like, oh my God, this dude really has it. What was it about Saved by the Bell, like even after that and the popularity of that, that you wanted to continue being an actor, being a journeyman and what you do? Uh, I think survival. That's the word that comes mm -hmm. to mind. I was, I was 19 years old. I had an opportunity to either go to college and, and start a whole other career or realize at that point, which I did, that this was my career. Um, I was very uh, content and challenged and you know you're making great money and i thought I, I should just continue in this direction but i had some lean years i mean from 94 to 96 mm -hmm. she cried no came out in uh, 96 um i had to audition that was an nbc movie of the yeah. week when they were doing movie of the weeks back then you know i had a my, my career had started on nbc but there were no givens i, I wasn't guaranteed an, a, another job with them i was sort of uh, put in a box, you know, that I was playing this, this character that I played as Zach Morris. I, I didn't look or act like Zach Morris, but I had to prove myself. And, and she cried. No, was really the, the, I was with Candace Cameron Burray. I, I played another despicable character. I, I played a, <laughs> a rapist. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. but you actually did. I think, <laughs> I think, no, I just think, I just remember that performance and going, oh, wow, this guy is a real actor. Like this guy can do kind of everything. And I thought that was really interesting. And then you had this kind of amazing career of all of these different roles. And that's why it's so great to see you in this role for people to see what you can do. Just the little specificities of when you got a, a little you know, piece of the dinner on your sleeve and seeing that kind of tension in your face mm -hmm. and what unravels you in those small moments. And you don't see a lot of that kind of, um, uh, specificity on network television or not nearly as much as you'd like. And I, I think that's what this show is kind of special. Your performances really are a cut above what I'm used to seeing. Yeah. And, and I, I don't take it for granted to be on a show like this and to be given those opportunities to show that on network television. You're exactly right, Ryan. Um, so I, I, I am so grateful that, that we have NK, our showrunner and all of our writers writing these things and that we actually get to do this on network because it is. It is not. Um, it's. It's. You know. It's not. No. NBC is smart. NBC really took a risk, not only to be able to tell these stories, but to let NK, let creatives be creatives and just do the material without all of that extra notesy stuff for people who are not artists. NBC trusts the process. They trust NK. They trust Greg Berlanti to put on a great show and for us to do our thing. Mark Paul and I trust the scripts that we're given. We are not those actors that go on and complain about this line and that line. We trust <laughs> the process. And so when you have that amount of trust along with really smart people, that's what you get. And so we can do more of that. If we can open the door to get back to that, then I think we also have done a service for the world, honey. But also, I was well, just thinking, you, know, you, were, you were talking about, we have, a, we have a large cast and we have a yeah. diverse cast, very talented cast. And I think one thing that we can tease for next season and we, is, is that we start learning about them as well. And we start going into their backstories, much like you did with uh, Sir and Gabrielle, which I, I mean, I'm a fan of the show, so I'm excited to see see that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. Mark Paul, are you are you potentially wanting to actually 
have her rehearse with you next season? Because uh, now she will not rehearse with you from what you've told me. Would, would you like to run? No, listen, the less, the less contact, the less, the less everything. Ryan, right, you uh, add in too much. Rehearse. I'm going to be with him. No, go to your trailer. Don't talk to me in between. Um, Shinola, what's it like for you to actually, you know, I was looking at the promotional materials and it's like you, you know, found your figure, like you are leading this show, this ensemble show, but you are the face of this show in a lot of like, what does that mean to you? Um, being an actor that comes from South Carolina, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, I think you, I, I read that you, you st- started acting, you were doing like Diana Ross and like a yeah, pageant or something like that when you were little. Carolina. My mom was not one of these people that was like, let's move to LA and uproot the family. Who does that? <laughs> a lot of people, but not my parents. So it had to be when I was really grown. But, um, you know, the, the, the truthful answer to that question, Ryan, is it was a lot of pressure because there are not many people who look like me that get the opportunity to be on a network television show and to be the lead. And so not pressure because you want something vain for yourself. Of course, we all want successes, but pressure because if this show doesn't work, then the next person doesn't get the opportunity. And that didn't weigh on me as heavily until we were in the middle of a strike. I could not promote it. And there were all these posters with my face on it. So no one would understand that, oh, these are crazy times or whatever the, if it didn't work, right? So it would just be literally my face falling flat on the ground if it didn't work. And I felt that. And I felt that in a very real way um, as a female, as a female of color. And for all of the other personal things for my family, this is not a position that I never saw myself in. I obviously visualize and and knew where my place in this world is right what I was meant to do so to do it and for it to be a success is um is wonderful yeah it really is um uh the other thing you mentioned about your cast you you know you have this kind of agency of people that go out and find lost uh lost children lost people um and it's kind of like the avengers in a sense each one brings something unique to the process who is the is it is it kelly williams the actor oh, who yes, she is kelly, the legend i mean she's a powerhouse like i mean what a that's another there's there's all of these people that you kind of fall in love with or kind of like wow they're really giving something uh a little bit more than what's on the page even though that's amazing they just they bring that to life um is that were you part of the casting process? Was this built around you initially? Um, built around me would be a stretch, but was I a part of the casting process? Absolutely. That's one of the advantages of being a producer on the show. And I got to read with several people. What I want to point out also is that people do this thing where they say diversity casting for the sake of being diverse. These are just the right actors for the right job that are also diverse. They're very, very good. They're very good actors. And I think we have to really make sure that we identify that the diversity on our show is to really highlight that trauma has no age. It has no gender. It has no sexuality. It, it comes in all forms. That's number one. Number two is these baddies. Kelly Williams, this is how I introduce her to every director that comes to guest. Say hello to Kelly Williams, the legend, okay? Before <laughs> you begin the process, say... Pay, pay her her respect. Kelly Kay has been a director for a very, very long time. And so she stepped away from being in front of the camera. But this show and what she knew she could bring to Margaret was so important to her that she got back in front of the camera. And aren't we happy that she did? And then you have Karin, who is Don. And if you saw his performance in the last couple of episodes throughout, he's been fantastic. But you saw what he did just bringing it 
he is the real deal and nothing like Don at all. He's a big old goofball, but he is so, so powerful. And then you have Zeke played by Arlen, who's inside of his own little world. And he has the hardest job on our set because he doesn't really get the face-to-face interaction. And you see all of the ways that he is able to show the emotion and how hard it is. I mean, you have the Gabrielle Walsh's who has the eyes like a deer. Come on, this (laughs) cast. Came ready to serve the people. So yes, we're diverse, but diverse with these fierce talents that were meant to play these roles. And that is something to be really proud of. Well, here's my hope that Mark Paul can actually meet half of these characters in the second season, Never. because at this yes, point he can are. only meet a handful of people. He, you just wheel him into the, uh, your, your big like bat cave place where you find the people. I mean, I, that's what I'm so curious about how you handle this and the relationship. Cause it does come back to you guys. It, it's like, it falls on you guys. And that really is this exciting part that you pepper throughout every episode. Um, just since this is a pop culture show, what, inspires you right now in terms of like music, movies, TV? What do you guys like to watch and listen to? Are you a Swifty? You're a Swifty. Of course you're a Swifty. <laughs> He's got a bracelet. I mean, that works yeah. really well for What you Taylor Swift know? era are you, Mark Paul? Yeah. <laughs> He doesn't know any. He's just shaking his head. He's shaking his head. I asked. I asked. I asked his my buddy Andrew about him. He's like, listen, dude. He's a great guy. He likes his cold plunge. He he loves his dog. Like you know, it, you're there. It was like he. He was just saying, he was like, listen, this is, he's a great guy. He got me coffee for Christmas. I love him, you know? And I was like, all right. So you're not a Swifty though, potentially. I'm, I'm a simple man, Ryan. I really am. <laughs> I mean, I consider myself, I, when I was on social, my, my, um, what would it be? Your te- like, what, what, how do you? Your hashtag? No, would you talk about yourself? Like your, your bio or oh, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, a, I was a husband first, then a father, then an actor. I mean, I, I consider like, I'm. I'm happiest when I'm at home and I'm with my family. Um, I, 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 yeah. I mean, Ooh, I, 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 I know it's so good. Really it's so really good. Okay, this is the headline. Mark Paul Gosseler hates Taylor Swift. Like you sound like an old man who's been in the business for 40 minutes. No, Ask us a pop no, culture no, question. No, no, no. He's right? locked in a basement, Shinola. He's locked in a basement. He does yeah. not hear music. No. I, I love I love to travel. I love, like, like our friend. That is you know, not pop culture. Friend. I, I love, what music uh, inspires you? What do you like? Music. We love Howard Stern. We're huge Howard Stern fans. Baba Bowie. I'm a huge Howard Stern fan, too. Andrew oh is too, God. actually. Yes. Yes. Listen, oh my God. On, Did you I'm hear he text. got COVID for the first time last yes. week? And I'm and here's me. This is how much of a fan I am. I'm in the car trying to figure out where in the heck did he get COVID? Because oh, Beth, really, Beth, Beth is like. Where. Yeah, the Beth and Howard fight was probably some of the funniest (laughs) forty-five minutes on radio. And Beth is all like hoarse, and she can't even say, "I was this was not I wasn't really sick." It was it was it was too good for words. So we love Howard Stern. I'm I'm gonna drop a name here, but Gary Delabate and I are on a texting basis. Wait, you cut out for a sec. Okay, Michael Rappaport. Yes, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But I watched the show when it aired. Yeah, like I, I listen to the show when and then it's airing, Gary? and then I text Gary. I'm like, Baba Booey, and he's like, Oh my god, Baba I'll show you text between us. Oh, I don't want to see you and Baba Booey texting, it's we're fine. Pals. Okay, that's how um, I am. I love Fred, I'm a big fan of Fred. Oh, of course, he, I, I wish Bobby. Howard was nicer to Fred. I do wish I know, Howard was I, nicer to Fred. I, I you know that Fred I was one so of the talented. first ones to say F Bobo. I was on the Howard, really, on the wrap up show. I was one of the first ones. If you go back to like 2000. 14, 15, I was on the wrap-up show and I said F-Bobo. 
And then Bobo was like, you know how many awards I have? You know how many driving awards? Northmall has no awards. And you know what? Bobo's right. I actually don't have any no, awards. I've JD. never been nominated for JD's anything. JD's my favorite. Oh, JD favorite. with, his spoon, with his spoon collection? He just, Listen. I mean, like, come on. His wrap-up show of the Golden Globes. And then I love Richard, and it's Richard's dad. Richard's dad. Hey, Bob, this is your dad. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm from the South, so every time he says, you know, we just got a coon. And, oh, my, I mean, hey, I you're into all this. Good. You're into this, but would you ever have Sal uh, read your cards? Yes. There you go. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I think they give Sal a hard time. I think Sal no, said, Sal's an idiot. No, he has he, great intentions. And I mean, sure, maybe the dimes it. on the street doesn't mean anything. Oh, the but birds, the cardinals, the, the, the squirrels. Here's what Sal gets discredited when he starts like smoking and all that. Like you can't be like energetically and talk about purified energy and then poison your body. That's where I <laughs> have a little bit with Sal. Okay, so we all love Howard Stern. Shanola, yeah. for you though, what do you watch that inspires you? That you're like, ooh, I wanna, I wanna make something like this. This really inspires me. Or hearing this uh, artist or anything like that. So much TV. I'm a TV fanatic. There's so much good TV out right now. There was a show called The Other Black Girl that I really was into because it was so different, and um, it was um, Unfound Talent which I really am uh, big on. You, you get recycled. Listen, I want to work forever. But I love to see new emerging talent doing really good work. So that was one of the ones that I saw. There was um, The Diplomat. Did you watch The Diplomat? Oh, The Diplomat's uh, Carrie Russell, right? On, on Listen Netflix? to me about this show, okay? <laughs> Play with it if you want to. Talk about, <laughs> we're talking about our finale that leaves you wanting more. If The Diplomat doesn't get back on my screen in two weeks, I think I got it. <laughs> Okay. I'm so okay, that's good. And I do want to remind people as we start winding down here, you can get all 12 episodes before the 13th episode. You're going to have to listen to this and then watch all day before tonight. Um, you know, you can get all of that on Peacock. That's where I watched over the last two weeks, these episodes. And then how long do you think we're going to have to wait until season two premieres? Because we had the strike. I, I coming can out of that. that pretty safely. You'll have to wait until the fall. We're a fall show. NBC will be back. Maybe, maybe... Since, you know, we had to wait so long with the strike and stuff, maybe the fall will come a little bit earlier. You know, we'll be after Labor Day or October. Maybe we can jump in there in August, get the kids back at school, turn on the TV, and there's found. I, honestly, I know we'll be fall. I don't know what month, so just make it through right now. We're going to go back and shoot in a few weeks. Follow, like, our social medias. He doesn't have one because he's an old man, but it's yeah, fine. Old, simple man. <laughs> he's a simple man, yes. Show. Don't call him on so bad it's good and you don't even have an Instagram, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry for her, Mark Paul. Um, uh, also, you both are, are parents. Uh, do your kids watch any of the things that you've done? My kids watch Found. They love it. They, Wait, for my real? daughter thinks I'm so mean to him. So you kind of are at Mark times. Paul, yeah. And she says, Mom, why are you so mean to Mr. Mark Paul? You're like, his name's Sir. He kidnapped your mother. She doesn't care. <laughs> She's just trying to figure out why the toast is burnt. <laughs> and, do, wait, and do your kids watch uh, a found no no not even don't I, have a I'm, I'm a good i'm a good parent ryan <laughs> don't watch a show like i didn't found. say they watch disturbing. shameless well that's disturbing too. <laughs> oh my god um so in, in this off season how do you guys keep uh i mean as actors uh, you know i mean besides promoting you're not going to see each other until you start filming again is there something as actors do you guys stay in touch in the off season is it like football oh, teams no 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 that's in my contract i don't let him have my personal phone number 
Um, I don't want to know anything Smart. about. No, I'm kidding. We're actual friends. So <laughs> I'm going to go up to see him and his family where they live. It's not, we will stay. We communicate multiple times a week, sometimes in the day. It, we actually are madly in love in the complete, you gross me out kind of way. Mark Paul is not saying anything, so I think he completely disagrees with everything well, you just said. Did your friend Andrew tell you about him, how quiet he is? This is him brooding, and this no, is No, he him. just said he's, no, he really said he's, no, Andrew goes, he's a really good guy. He's a really, Andrew goes, he's a really good guy. And I was like, oh, I'm not a good guy? And I was like, <laughs> is he better than I am? And he was like, kind of, yeah. So, uh, guys, this has been a little silly, but I do want to say this is a really great show that you should actually check out. And since we're not getting it, second season until the fall you have plenty of time even though i think you need to watch it as soon as you can uh i really got swept up in this i think both of your performances are amazing and i've been fans of you both for a very long time so thank you for taking the time with us today and i hope to uh talk to you guys down the line sometime again thank you ryan, hey, ryan you're amazing you so when you say both of us like fans of right let me just clarify for a long time i know 40 50 60 years or whatever with him yeah but who would you have like a big poster of in your room? Yeah. <laughs> well, Chinola, do you have a poster? Do you have, are you, Whoa, wait, is there, that's are okay. there, I love there, that. High five, Ryan. High five. All right. Yeah. Wait. Guys, you're hearing this interview and it's, I swear to God, it's not this silly on the show. This is a very serious, intense show. So I just want you to know it's not the goofy ha ha Howard Stern yeah. stuff that we're yeah, doing. Yeah. Did you Good is a Betches Media production. The show is hosted and produced by me, Ryan Bailey, with Meditza Lopez and Sandra Fryer. Additional support provided by Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales Pico, and Rebecca Steinberg. Guest booking by Ali Friedlander. Video promotion by Laura Valencia. Be sure to send us your emails at SoBadIt'sGoodWithRyanBailey at gmail.com and follow the show at SoBadIt'sGoodWithRyanBailey on Instagram. And for additional craziness, go to Patreon.com forward slash SoBadIt'sGood. Stay bad, baddies. Batches.